Good morning, or good afternoon, or perhaps even good evening or good night. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but whenever it is, I hope it's really good. My name is Augustin, and I'm your host, but you can call me Gus. And this is the pilot episode of the Triumph of the Cross podcast. So let's start the first episode with a little introduction on who Gus is and why I have decided to do this podcast. So I think I mentioned this if you listen to the trailer, but I am a guy who is in his mid-30s. In fact, I turned 35 uh, last week. And uh, I'm a Catholic I'm a convert to the Catholic Church, and uh, probably most shockingly or surprisingly, I'm also a guy who experiences same-sex attraction. In other words, I'm gay. For a lot of people who know that I'm Catholic, and then they find out that I'm gay, they wonder how that works and what that's all about. And that's kind of where I'm at with why I want to make a podcast. I want to share my story with you on my journey from having no religious upbringing to being a uh, an evangelical to then becoming Catholic all, all the time experiencing this same-sex attraction. And then uh, I'd like to share my story with how my life has been since becoming Catholic, the ups and downs, and the very real struggle that this is. And I think that's one of the things that people don't really think about on on either side of this thing, on the varying opinions and thoughts on this thing that I experience. I think that people who don't experience same-sex attraction, who are Catholic and faithful, don't, don't comprehend the, the inner turmoil. And then there's those who are gay and not catholic and can't can't comprehend why i would even deal with the turmoil why i would be catholic especially when they see me fall and they definitely wonder why the hell i get back up and go back to the church so that's what this podcast is really going to be about it's going to be why I became Catholic, what holds me, what keeps me Catholic, and, you know, the very real daily struggle to be holy, and why that's worth it, and uh, why I don't just throw in the towel. So to understand who Gus is today, September 14th, 2022, um, we have to go back a ways Uh, I will give a quick summary of my very boring, uneventful childhood. 
Uh, I was raised in a non-religious household. Uh, we called ourselves Christians because my mom had been raised as a Baptist and my dad as a Lutheran. But uh, between the time I was born and the time that I went to college, um, outside of maybe a handful of weddings and funerals, my family had never gone to church as a family once. I guess there had been maybe two or three occasions in all those years where I had gone to church with one parent or another. Um, there were definitely occasions where I went to church as part of, you know, working at Boy Scout camp, a, a version of church. Um, but that was, that was pretty much it. Uh, I didn't know a lot about the gospel. I didn't own a Bible that I could actually comprehend until I was a sixth grader. And, um, yeah, it just, it wasn't something that my parents felt was actually important enough to make a part of our lives. I did go through a phase after I got that Bible that I could somewhat comprehend where I listened to a lot of local Christian radio station music. I thought I might want to be a pastor. Um, but that all faded away relatively quickly uh, given that, you know, I was not mobile, I didn't have a car, and so I really couldn't get myself to church, even if I wanted to, because my family just didn't go. So the, by the time I went to college, I didn't really have much of a faith. I guess I nominally considered myself to be Christian, uh, but that that was about it. As you might expect, uh, at some point before I went to college, I, I became aware of that same-sex attraction that I mentioned earlier. Not surprisingly, like many gay guys, uh, it's always been a thing for me. I don't remember a time when it wasn't something that I felt in the age-appropriate capacity that one has in each stage of life. I mean, obviously, as a four-year-old, I wasn't sexually attracted to other boys, but I knew that I was attracted to them um, in some kind of way that was different from how the boys at school are attracted to boys. As peers. Um, in high school, you know, that's when I really realized that this label of gay was something that applied to the feelings I was feeling. So when I went to college, um, you know, I, I had that on my mind. I had, I had never told anybody. I had never come out. Um, but when I went to college, I decided that I was going to kind of turn over a new leaf. I had been very shy and sort of antisocial in high school. And so I decided I was going to make friends and just be more sociable. And I was probably going to come out of the closet and tell people that I was gay. And I was going to um, make all the choices that kind of stereotypically come with that in 
the 21st century. You know, going to clubs, meeting guys, dating guys, and doing other stuff with guys. So life rarely goes as planned. And uh, my first week of college, I had a couple of experiences not related to coming out in any way. But these experiences really showed me what choices I didn't want to make in college. The first one happened uh, the night I moved into the dorm. I decided to go on a target run. And when I walked out to my car, there was a girl squatting next to my driver's door, peeing in the parking lot. Shy, sheltered Gus was like a deer in headlights and quickly turned around, went back to his dorm room and rocked in the corner, holding his knees, weeping, wondering why the hell he was at college. Not really, but it was still a little bit uh, of a culture shock for me. Uh, Later that same week, I had a my next-door neighbor in the dorm gets just totally wasted at a frat party, like, just drunk off his behind. And he didn't know how he got back to the dorm, but he came back in just his underwear, and he was covered in permanent marker and Sharpie with all kinds of derogatory things written and drawn on him. And uh, he inevitably locked himself out of his room, And me being the kind soul that I was, uh, agreed to let him crash on my floor and just hang out until his other roommate got back and he could get back into the room. And then uh, I just realized that I didn't want this drunk guy that I don't know puking all over my floor while he sleeps under my bed all night. And so I went and got the RA to get him out and possibly get medical attention based on how plastered he was. So these two things combined for me to say, whoa, Gus, let's not go crazy uh, with living the college life. On the other hand, I still was very um, curious about, you know, what would it be like to be out of the closet? And so there was two girls from high school that I knew and uh, had hung out with in high school. And we were keeping in touch uh, while I was at college that those first couple weeks. Uh, and I decided to AOL instant message them. Yes, it was quite a while ago old tech alert and uh i told them both that i was gay and uh the responses were not what i was expecting um they weren't surprised and they didn't really seem to care all that much and i guess i don't know what i was expecting um but this just wasn't it. I thought there'd be more shock. I thought there'd be more, like, resistance to it. 
But no, no, they, they just didn't care. And I don't really know why I tell that part of my story, and I don't know why it really affected what I did next, but, you know, I decided to kind of keep it to myself and just kind of continue on. I guess maybe just the stress of a new environment and uh, a much higher workload than uh, I had in high school, because guess what? American high school doesn't prepare you for jack squat when it comes to college. Um... I guess maybe I just had more to deal with than um, shouting from the rooftops that I like guys. And it's true, I did have more to deal with. So I just mentioned the school environment, you know, just being a new thing. But my home environment uh, changed dramatically uh, in those first two weeks that I was at school. So to just quickly back up without trying zigzagging all over my story, um, when I was in late middle school, early high school, um, my mom got pretty sick. And uh, she started losing her her mobility, but uh, none of the doctors could figure out why exactly that was happening in the process of trying to diagnose her they discovered that she had kidney failure like chronic kidney failure uh, if i remember right uh she had one kidney that was totally non-functional and another that was at maybe 50 percent functionality um but to be honest i don't really remember the details because and I was just at an age where it was just unbearable to, to deal with that. And I just tried to block as much of it out as possible. Um, just the, the changes in my mom were really hard for me to admit were actually happening. The embarrassment of, you know, my mom not being able to do the things that my peers' moms were able to do was just a lot for me to take. And so, I'm ashamed to say there was a while where, like, outside of the home, I basically mentally told myself that if anybody asked, like, I just wasn't going to talk about my mom, wasn't going to acknowledge that she existed or anything like that, because I was just way too embarrassed and ashamed and not knowing what to say about what was happening. So that was progressively getting worse um, and continued to get worse while I was in high school or in starting college. But also my family was going through an extremely difficult financial patch that I had no idea was even happening until um, I went home for the Labor Day weekend and uh, I had the bombshell dropped on me that my family was applying for bankruptcy. Now I didn't know what bankruptcy was outside of the uh, game of Monopoly, but, um, it really scared me because it, it made me wonder if some of the things that I had would be taken from me, thus making school more difficult, uh, for me to complete. I was very concerned that uh, my vehicle would be taken, um, in the, in the, in the foreclosure or, or whatever, um, 
that my laptop might be taken and uh, so I had that additional stressor and including every time I went home things were just an all-time high as far as stress went and I'm going to get to that in a second here. So as the semester went on and like the bankruptcy continued to unfold and um, the picture became more and more clear but dire, uh, things just it were, we were always on the edge of explosion at home. And when I went home for semester break, I'd already maybe been home three times um, since I had left. But this was going to be the first time that I was home for an extended period of time. It's going to be three full weeks of close quarters with the family. And I didn't know if I could take it. And the reality is, as I couldn't. And so, towards the end of that three weeks, uh, we were having a family conversation that was very par for the course. A conversation that we'd had thousands of times, literally thousands of times, where we were all arguing and trying to figure out what was going to be for dinner. And typically, the answer was going to be Taco Bell or McDonald's. Now, that might have just put a vision in your head that I am a 700-pound man, but I'm not, and it's amazing that I'm not. But I digress. So we were having this conversation for the 12,000th time. And suddenly, you know, I mentioned my favorite, McDonald's. Uh, something just flipped in my mother. And she just went like Godzilla rage on me uh, and told me that my constant requests to eat out were the reason that my family was going bankrupt, that this was all my fault. And uh, this happened... Uh, almost 16 years ago. But it is still something that, when I think about it, really ticks me off. Um, and it really ticked me off when it happens. And it should be clear to any listener that a child is not responsible for the financial decisions of the parents and their financial responsibility and ability to budget their their money you know say no to your kids like we're not in charge we weren't in charge we should not have been in charge you don't want to give me mcdonald's you say no and you make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich not that hard but anyways um i still feel the day of the way i felt then about it it was outrageous and so i decided that i'd had enough I'd had enough of my family. I had enough of their bullcrap. And uh, I just, I didn't need this. I didn't need them. And I, I hit the point where I didn't even care if, you know, the bankruptcy lawyers were going to come and take my car, take my car. If you're going to take my computer, take my computer. 
um, do it. I don't, I don't care. I don't need any of it. I will find a way because I am not going to be stuck in this cycle of stress and be trapped in this insane family. And so I decided to email my um, residence hall director and beg him to let me come back to, to the dorm a couple of days early. And so I did. I left for, back for school before I needed to. And I fully intended to never look back. I was never, ever, ever going to talk to my family again. I was never going to see them again. And I didn't care. Now, I don't know if any of them knew that that's how I felt. Because I didn't speak to them other than to say, I'm leaving. I don't know if any of them know now that that's how I felt. I don't know if any of them even remember that conversation. Because, I don't know. Anyways, I don't want to get upset on this podcast. So, I was at a pretty low point. I was at a just... A, a breaking point in my life. Like, it just didn't feel like it could get any worse than that. And so, um, I went back to school... And uh, a friend that I knew from high school was going to college at the same college as me. And I called her when I got back to campus and I kind of explained what had happened and let her know that I was back and see if she wanted to hang out. And uh, it was it was there that my life changed forever. So when I got back to campus, uh, I don't remember what day of the week it was, but within a couple of days uh she invited me to go to this young adults thing at a local evangelical free church now i was kind of reluctant at that point because you know i just really i really hadn't prayed in a long time it been a while since i even read a bible i had never been to church before really and um but at this at the same time i thought why not it couldn't be any worse than what i just left at home so i went to this thing and uh i just i was astounded there was all these young college kids and they were just on fire and in love with Jesus Christ and I don't remember the content of the pastor's message but it spoke to me enough where when I walked out I knew that God loved me I knew that he had more in store for my life than what I was experiencing. And I knew that even what little I had was something to be thankful for. And that was the day 
that I became a follower of Christ. That was the day that my soul first turned to Jesus and asked for salvation. I went back to my dorm feeling like a new man, but not quite knowing what to do. And so my friend then invited me to that week's Campus Crusade for Christ meeting. Crew. So I went to Crew. And uh, same experience. Just all these college kids just on fire for the gospel. On fire for Jesus. And there was faces I knew. There was people I had met. And I had, I had, had no idea because... I'd been so wrapped up in myself that I never took the time to really get to know them. And so uh, I saw my RAs there. And uh, pretty quickly, I, I joined the Bible study that they lead on my floor. And I met, let's see, one... five awesome guys who were in that Bible study who all lived on my floor, just, you know, doors down from me that uh, I had never talked to before. And, you know, they had been together since the beginning of the school year, but they welcomed me just with open arms, just lovingly welcomed me into their Bible study. And they were... uh, I guess, I don't know if they were paired up with a girl's Bible study or just kind of became close with one, but there was a girl's Bible study in the girl's dorm and it probably had five or six girls in it. And uh, so there's this group of, you know, about 10 to 11 people that were just this big, tight-knit group of friends. They had known each other only since the beginning of the school year. But uh, they all invited me into their circle like, no questions asked. Like, hey, Gus, you're one of us now. And honestly, it was one of the most uh, wonderful experiences that I'd had up to that point in my life. I'd never had anything like that before. Where people just accepted me unconditionally. And uh, I didn't have to jump through hoops. I just... I was I was a part of their group, just like that. And uh, that is where I really grew as a person and started to mature um, as a as a Christian and as a man. And uh, I wish I could say that uh, I was, you know, still close to them and still you know, stayed, stayed with them for a long time, but I didn't. It was a couple of years that that lasted, but, uh, it is one of the most formative things that happened to me in preparing me for becoming Catholic. As the school year ended, uh, things had 
settled down a little bit between me and my family. Uh, my newfound faith helped me to, I guess, reevaluate my hasty decision to cut them out of my life forever. And so I did decide to go home for the summer, work at home, and live with my family for three months. So that's what I did. Over the summer, uh, I would like to say that, um, you know, my faith was just totally, you know, fired up. But uh, one note to make about this, this newfound conversion was that I still wasn't going to church on a regular basis. You know, I would sometimes still go to this Sunday night young adult thing, which for all intents and purposes uh, was, you know, church. And uh, I would go to weekly crew meetings, praise and worship on Tuesday nights, and I'd go to my weekly Bible study. But I never became a member of a congregation or anything like that. I would church bounce if I did go to church. Um, but I kind of found this habit that a lot of college kids and crew fall into, where crew becomes their church. Uh, so church is on, you know, a random weeknight, and, and that's it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's certainly not good. So when I went home for the summer, I didn't really have even a place to go. You know, I wasn't going to say like a Baptist church at school. And so I'd go to a Baptist church when I got home or, or whatever. So I just didn't go to church. I didn't really know where I would go. I do remember there was one time where I found out that the more local university to me had a chapter of crew that was going to meet over the summer a couple times. So I drove about a half an hour into downtown and went to their meeting and um, it was it was great, but uh, that just happened the one time. So summer was kind of a, a backslide for me. Um, for the most part, I you know I didn't see that group of people that I had been hanging out with. Um, other than, you know, once or twice I hung out with a couple of them who were all from the same area as me. But otherwise, uh, summer just, I kind of fell into my old routines from before college. So when I moved back to school for the beginning of my sophomore year, it was really important to me, though, that I kind of reinvigorates that faith. You know, I was a young Christian. You know, I'd only really discovered Christ, you know, in January, and it was now August. And I had spent now almost half of that being at home um, and just kind of floundering. So I went back to school. Um, I was an RA, so I showed up a couple weeks early to campus and um, while I was there, I met with, like, the crew leadership. And uh, 
I was uh, became a Bible study leader. I was going to lead a Bible study. I was going to co-lead a Bible study. And I was going to work on outreach. And um, I just, I was getting plugged in in a deeper way that I hadn't before. And so the school year started off very strong for me. You know, I got way more involved. I was um, helping with outreach to bring new students, um, especially freshmen, into crew. And uh, it was great. Uh, And uh, I felt really solid. At the same time, you know, I was meeting all these new people as an RA. And uh, that is when two of the most important people in my life that I pretty much owe everything to um, came into my life. Um, My next door neighbor and his, at the time, girlfriend, now wife, um, made friends with me. I have no idea how it happened. Um, She was over all the time. And so I just got to see her face constantly. And uh, somehow they just kind of glommed onto me and I glommed onto them. And very quickly, we became kind of this little trio. And it was this trio outside of my larger group of friends. And so um, she, she was Catholic. And he was in the, I guess, early stages of becoming Catholic. Um, and, you know, by the next summer, they would be engaged and he would be fully in that process of becoming Catholic. And so it was through her that I had my first real contact with Catholicism. So as I was getting deeper and deeper into Camp's Crusade and their, you know, beliefs and theology, um, I was coming face to face with a radically different theology, the theology of Catholicism. And uh, there was just increasingly an increasing amount of clashes between her and I. And they were never really confrontational at that time. They will get pretty confrontational, which I will talk about in the future. Um, but I really started having to consider um, that there's Christians out there who don't believe what I believed as a campus crusader. So... That's kind of something that's going on on the back burner. At the same time, as I'm getting more involved in Campus Crusade, about two or three weeks into the school year, um, one of our meetings involved a bunch of testimonies. There was always testimonies at the meetings, but this one were, was testimonies from students who had been on these things called summer projects. So summer projects were summer-long mission trips, some domestic, some international, um, of varying lengths. And as I listened to some of these people get up and share their summer project story on how their mission um, changed lives and changed them, I really felt inside this desire to go, to just go. I felt like 
Christ had changed my outlook and my life so incredibly that it would be a disservice for me to not go and share that with others. And so I really prayed hard about should I go on a summer project next summer and where should I go? One of the things that was holding me back was money. I mean, we had to pay to go on these mission trips and uh, we would raise support. But if we didn't raise enough support, we would have to pay, you know, lodging and airfare and for food and all that stuff. So I knew that an international trip was just going to be out of the question for me. You know, there was trips to Australia and Brazil and China and um, Turkey. But uh, I knew that that was just kind of out of reach for me. Yeah, even with all the faith in God, just wasn't something that I was up to at that time. So... I decided to go on a domestic trip in the United States, and uh, I settled on San Diego. So, uh, I I talked a lot about going to San Diego, and uh, I talked to some students who had been to San Diego and on other summer projects, and uh, decided that that's where um, I was going to apply to go. So I filled out the application. And uh, I was accepted to go in February. So I know that's kind of skipping ahead from, you know, August to February. Um, But my sophomore year of college really became about, at least on the faith front, really became about um, getting myself to San Diego, raising the money, um, raising the support money to get me there. In the end, I got everything I needed short of like 80 bucks out of like $3,200. It came in very slowly. It was a very stressful process. Um, But I got myself um, with the generosity of many, many, many people got myself to um, San Diego. And uh, this is a, a good place to stop this episode um and pick up a story next week Uh, because summer project was even more life transforming than anything that had happened um in my life up until getting on that plane to california and so i want to be able to dedicate pretty much an entire episode to my summer project experience so Let's wrap up this episode. I want to thank you all so much for listening to my first podcast and sticking with me all the way to the end. If you liked this, or even if you didn't, but you think that maybe you could like it in the future, please subscribe to the podcast and please share it with anybody who you think would be interested in Um, hearing my story. Uh, Hopefully it will get more interesting next week and in the coming weeks. Uh, I wish that you would have a wonderful and happy uh, feast day of the Triumph of the Cross. 
I uh, hope that God will bless you in many, many ways. And just know that you are all uh, in my prayers. And I hope that you will pray for me. So I will sign off now. And I hope that you will join me next week when I talk about San Diego Summer Project. Have a great week.